Hi everyone, this is the Young Gunner from the Texas Young Lawyer Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas and the United States. In this episode, I am your host, Eduardo Marquez. I am an M&A associate at Sidley Austin in Houston and recording today from the headquarters of Avant Energy here at Houston. Our guest today is Gabriel Salinas, general counsel at Avant Energy, who will talk to us today on how to become an international lawyer and how to work across jurisdictions. Gabriel, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Eduardo. Gabriel, tell us a little bit about Avant Energy and the work you do here as general counsel. So Avant Energy is a midstream company that's developing infrastructure for oil and gas services, mostly in Mexico. Um, we are a part of the Riverstone holding structure. Riverstone is a private equity um, shop that uh, handles about $32 billion across the world. And we're one of their portfolio companies. So what we do is try to develop infrastructure to service uh, companies that are trying to store, transport, distribute uh, refined products, hydrocarbons in Mexico. And also we have a trading arm that uh, monetizes uh, commodities uh, that's usually that are usually associated with the infrastructure. So we have two sides of the business. We'll, we'll also have a power side uh, we're trying to develop solar and wind projects in Mexico. And we have a natural gas team that's also trying to develop natural gas uh, trading and infrastructure opportunities in Mexico. Good. Since you guys are really active, um, tell us, um, how did you get here? Um, what was the path on becoming general counsel? So I am from Mexico originally. I spent most of my childhood and high school and uh, early stage education in Mexico. I studied college in the U in the U.S. in, in a college in in Chicago called Elmhurst College, and then I did my JD in Mexico in law school there, and then I came back from my LLM. I did it in, in Harvard University. I became licensed in New York, so I had I had a dual license uh, in the U.S. and Mexico. And I was uh, supposed to do eight months in a Houston law firm, but it, that has turned into 10 years now. <laughs> I feel the same way. Um, so um, I guess part of, because of your background and the type of um, uh, things you had interest in, you start to become involved in international deals. Um, how can other young lawyers get involved in international deals or develop an international practice? Yeah, I think there are several ways. In my case, it was a bit natural since I come from Mexico and there was business to, to be done between U.S. and Mexico, and particularly Texas and, and Mexico. There was a natural inclination and both my skills and the client needs for me to get involved in those deals. But... From what I've seen through the years, you also have people that are not from an international background that get involved in international deals and often has to do with their expertise and um, their their type of client. So I wouldn't say that you need to come from an international background to do international deals. Often 
people that work in the international arena have an affinity to international cross-border issues. And so a young lawyer that is starting to work, usually on their first years, in the first couple of years, they start to uh, do different kind of, of different kind and type of work. Um, so you would say that uh, international, it is a different type of practice, but it's not something that you start from the get-go uh, when you start practicing in a law firm or in a company or something. Yes. Yes, it, it's very situation driven uh, depends you know where you are and and it also assumes that you might have some say on the work that you do oftentimes we don't we just do whatever gets to our desk but uh houston is a very international city um i'm located in houston and that's why often the the work that we do has to do with with international or cross-border issues uh, that's sort of the name of the game when it comes to oil and gas. There's really no uh, borders when it comes to basins and, and hydrocarbons. Um, there are when it comes to uh, you know, licenses and, and being able to practice in different jurisdictions. So it becomes very uh, collaborative. It becomes you know, very uh, international conscious when you start thinking about you know, helping a client that's looking at opportunities either in, in abroad or, or a client that's international that's looking at opportunities in the United States. So there's many ways, many, many ways that, that you can intersect with international uh, legal issues. Uh, one of the key questions is what is international law and there's you know, treatises and, and, and papers on that. But uh, you know, in, in a more practical way, when we talk about being an international lawyer or a cross-border lawyer, I think you're mostly talking about having a client look at uh, opportunities in a different jurisdiction. Thanks. And you mentioned you are uh, licensed to practice law in Mexico, and you also are licensed to practice law in New York. Um, so, and I am a foreign legal consultant in Texas. And you're a foreign legal consultant in Texas. Um, so common law against civil, civil law, is this something that attorneys can learn on the job? Um, yes and no. So, as you know, you're trained uh, in, a, in a specific legal uh, framework and specific legal uh, system. In my case, I was trained as a civil law lawyer. And that's the case in most of Latin America and certain European countries. Uh, you know, common law is, is prevalent in the United States, UK, and Australia. So those are different types of, you know, probably the, the most drastic uh, differentials when it comes to legal education. Uh, however, in my case, I did study an LLM in the United States that was focused on, on common law. So I think that w y y there's a clear uh, difference between being trained in a common law or a civil law jurisdiction, uh, but many many of us have tried to uh, get to know the other system by by a master's degree, and and also in the job you usually deal with issues in, in foreign jurisdictions that that you know, give you perspective on a foreign legal system, although you need to rely on on local counsel to to advise in, in any legal issues. And 
picking up on that uh, last sentence, as last thing you said, um, tell us about uh, the interactions with local council. Um, what do you expect from uh, young attorneys uh, handling the communication and contact with local council in your deals? Or what's your experience with local council um, and how to deal with it? Um, that help in the deal? Yeah, that's that's one of the important uh, parts of doing deals abroad is knowing who you can rely on and vice versa. They also rely on you when you have the foreign uh, client and lawyers looking at a deal in your jurisdiction. So it has to be collaborative. It has to be based on trust and respect. And obviously the local council needs to be uh, competent and needs to be experienced in the matter at hand. Uh, I think in Houston we've developed a good sense of uh, who the who, who the you know, good law firms are to work around at least the Latin America region. We have a good roster of people. Um, we we meet more uh, as they you know, become involved in deals. So there's a international legal community, and it it's different when it comes to different specific areas. Um, you know, M and A, project finance, environmental. So you go to a Houston law firm; they have a a good good sense of who's doing what in each of the jurisdictions. So I think the key is knowing knowing who to work with, uh, knowing who you know who to get involved in what parts of a deal. Ideally, you would have one local firm doing your local work, but sometimes you have to rely on on, on a few because of specialties and one thing you have to realize is that because the of the size of the economy in the United States it, there's more of an opportunity for lawyers to become specialized in, in economies like Texas than it is to you know a lawyer in in a specific country around the world to become specialized so that's that's something that's interesting and, and sometimes challenging is to try to get through a sometimes a you know, technical issue uh, or, or a regulatory issue that that you need to work with the local council to find find the right answer uh, and and the key thing is just transparency and 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 being uh, clear about what what they're advising on and making sure that you you identify all the issues that what you don't want is to miss you know an issue or and realize there was something that they or you didn't uh, identify. And when it comes to you know, uh, certain parts of the markets that are new, like you know, energy in some of the some countries where they just recently opened, that's that's more of a uh, factor. Something that you have to keep in mind is that sometimes because it's a new area of law or a new area of the market, it People generally don't know what they don't know, and then you have to be very, very working very closely with with, with those with, with local council to, to make sure you don't miss anything. And switching gears a little bit, um, a usual question that I get from my colleagues is if they have to speak another language to do international deals. For example, they have to speak Spanish to work in a deal in Mexico or Latin America or you know Portuguese for Brazil. I think it can help being able to read documents in, in jurisdiction where you're working. I, I don't think it's a prerequisite. Yeah, I know a lot of lawyers that 
only speak English and they they're all they do is international work. I think that the world is more globalized and English is definitely the language of choice when it comes to contracts, at least for now and foreseeable future. So I think it helps. You know, you know sometimes you, you need to read local uh, contracts, concessions, uh, documents, and it, it, it's definitely an edge that you can have. But but if you, you know, I've, as I said, I've seen lawyers who all, all you know, they only speak English and they all they do is international work because they have a specialty or they have a type of client or both that allows them to do that. So I, I if it were another language, it'd be different because as I said, English is the language of choice, but when it comes to US speaking, sorry, English speaking lawyers, I think I think it's not a prerequisite. It definitely helps. And one of the uh, one of the best things about doing cross border deals or international work uh, in general is sometimes to explain or tell people about you know different situations that have arisen or cultural differences uh, yeah. when you're working. You know, cause it's different to work across the table from a Mexican client or you know someone in Asia or someone in Africa. Um, how do you approach or understand the cultural differences in an international transaction? I think you you understand it by first of all having an open mind and coming at it uh, with no um, you know form uh, perceptions, but you know, waiting for the actual negotiation or deal to you know, form a perspective. I think that there's people that are more inclined to be appreciative of other cultures and international settings, and that definitely is an advantage. Uh, and then as you become more involved in certain type of deals in certain jurisdictions, you, you become more adept and, and more knowledgeable about local culture. Uh, it's really important, perhaps in other jurisdictions more than the US, to understand what the local uh, cultural differences are, how they conduct business, how they you know, like to approach business and negotiations. Um, it can be you know, the success or failure of a, of a specific transaction, understanding. And I think it doesn't mean like you have to do an immersion program before you do a deal, but, a, but the, the best Lawyers that I've seen usually have an open mind. They they listen a lot. They try to understand what the other's uh, party's position is, um, and they try to, you know, as much as possible, learn fast as to what the what the traditions and cultural business settings uh, are in 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 the particular jurisdiction you're dealing with. Now a little bit more um, specific on, I guess, uh, getting more technical on things that may arise in an international deal is that sometimes form uh, is more important than substance when working, particularly in civil law jurisdictions. Um, they need to do a formal notarized you know, notification or service of process or to have a document as a public deed or not. What can you tell us about um, these and how can young lawyers be aware of any of these differences? 
Well, there are different, definitely differences when it comes to form and substance, especially between common law jurisdictions and civil law jurisdictions. Uh, yeah, common law jurisdictions uh, usually, you know, formal proceedings and 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 um, you know, documents. Uh, are not as formalistic and there seems to be more of a uh, honor system when it comes to both legal and tax issues and the way that we conduct uh, motions in common law. Uh, in, in civil law jurisdictions, and this goes back to the Napole Napoleonian uh, code, uh, the French code, uh, civil code that was the base for most of the civil codes across Latin America is much more formalistic. It relies more on having uh, experts, in this case, uh, notaries, uh, certify legal acts. It's more paternalistic, uh, and and so that's 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 an interesting intersection when it comes to uh, documents and, and motions and proceedings that you have to go through, especially when you're documenting deals or maybe in a trial. Um, and, and what's interesting is, you know, they're both important. Uh, as I said to some colleagues, you know, form can become substance. And, and, and you know, it's, easily, it's easy to sometimes, you know, uh, side with one or the other. I don't think that's the right approach. I think, you know, the, the right approach is to understand both systems and to, to realize that, that in one jurisdiction, if you don't follow form, that could become substantive for your deal. That could kill a deal if you didn't file something on time or you didn't get the right you know, notary to, to certify or you didn't get, uh, you missed a day uh, before you, you know, file something uh, that could kill a deal and that has killed deals. And there's also a level of, uh, of that in the U.S. as well. So I, it's interesting. Um, I think it's interesting to know the differences. But most importantly, I think for lawyers, it's, it's, it's very important to understand both systems and make sure you can navigate both and never underestimate what missing a form could do for a deal or a trial. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Gabriel. Um, do you have any final thoughts uh, for young lawyers wanting to get exposed to international work? Uh, what can you tell? What would you tell a, a, a first year a lawyer or, or someone just coming out of law school? I think you have to go where the international deals are. Uh, sometimes you get that without asking. Sometimes you don't. But Usually, you know, there's ways to get involved in whatever you are in a law firm or a company or, or in, 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 in other type of practices. You know, what I would look at is who's doing the type of deals that I want to do and, and identify those persons and see their, see their background and see you know, what they've done to get there. And usually people are very welcoming and, and and they like to mentor and and you know it was done for me and I'll do it uh, so you, you sort of pay it forward I think people that uh, you would reach out to they would be responsive 
and and so my advice would be to try to try to look for those that are doing the type of deals that you want to do and don't uh, you can look at other cities obviously the bigger cities are, are more international in texas and once you're there you just do a great job you know people are scouting for talent all the time and you can't miss an opportunity when you get it and so it's it's important to try to uh, you know do an awesome job every time you get you get something and if you find a, an area of law that that is new or something that's relevant that people are not looking at it can be internationally or, or domestically you know that's that's that could be a differentiating factor that you know people could pay attention to yeah, people in the legal community or clients so I think it's try to try to connect the dots and try to map out what other people what other people have done and try to follow that and obviously you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me I'll be happy to talk to anyone um, so good luck everybody and there you go guys I'll give you a Gabriel's email when we finish this podcast All right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true I think sometimes people uh, uh, young attorneys and students sometimes are afraid of reaching out to people yeah. when you know maybe for three no's you'll get one yes so it's, it's worth a try uh, I, I, my, my experience has been that everybody I've, I've reached out to usually replies people are honest and where there's opportunities people are honest but when there's not people are honest so I I would n never hesitate to contact anybody you want to learn a little bit more from and I would approach it like that is you know I just want to learn a little bit more about what you've done and people like talking about themselves so <laughs> you shouldn't have any trouble <laughs> as you see in my case uh, well Gabriel thank you very much for your time um, thank you all for listening to the Young Gunners from the Texas Young Lawyer Association don't forget to check out other episodes available on our website tyla.org and wherever you get your podcast if you have a topic you want us to hear about or email us at tyla at texasbar.com or send us a tweet at Texas text young lawyers using the hashtag young gunners uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope to see you back here for another episode. Thank you all.